Hi, Mark Victor Hansen here, author of Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, and I'm happy to be on Bill Ringel's show, My Quest for the Best. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock your growth potential. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished guests who want to share their knowledge and experiences so you can be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating towards more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Bill Rungle, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. Joining me today is Mark Victor Hansen. Mark Victor Hansen is probably best known as the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul book series and brand setting world record in book sales with over 500 million books sold. His partner in that was Jack Canfield. And today, Mark serves as Chief Executive Officer of MV Hansen and Associates, Inc., co-founder of Chicken Soup for the Soul Enterprises and president of One Minute Millionaire. He's co-owner and founder of Natural Power Concepts. Mark Victor Hansen is an enthusiastic crusader of what's possible and is driven to make the world work for 100% of humanity. Mark's here to talk about his book, Ask, the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, co-authored with Crystal Dwyer Hansen, his life mate and soulmate. Welcome, Mark. My great pleasure. Thanks for having me, Bill. Mark, as a high performer of the highest class, I want to ask you a question that interests me, which is when you were growing up, who's somebody who influenced and inspired you? My parents were illiterate Danish people. Not that they weren't smart, but they came here before English as a second language, ESL even existed or was thought of in the 30s. So they didn't get a chance at getting an education. Worked hard, they produced, they had a good four brothers. But when I was a sophomore in high school, English, and I was in advanced English fortuitously for a whole bunch of reasons, but luckily this guy, John Reinhardt, just wound my clock. He'd come in and he made us not only read all of Shakespeare, read all of books like Animal Farm, A Brave New World, but he made us watch like Arthur, whatever the guy's name is, Walter Cronkite in the news. And we had to interface what Shakespeare said with whatever Cronkite said. But then I was in his class when John Kennedy got shot at 2.15 in the afternoon. And the principal said, the president of the United States been shot. We're shutting down the school. John Reinhardt said, wait, 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 everybody. We're going to stay here and talk about uh, the greatest president building Camelot in America. You've all read King Arthur's legend. You understand the round table. And you call your parents and see how long we can stay. And we all stay until 6.30. Wow. And it was such a cathartic day. I mean, it just, it was chicken soup for my soul. And it's something that is branded into my brain. And I know every, bought every picture book and storybook about, uh, obviously, Camelot, but more importantly, Kennedy and the Kennedy family. And I'm still associated indirectly with uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. on some of the projects he and I are like-minded on solving a lot of the big problems of the planet. Mark, can you think of a time early in your career? Because let's rewind back to when you were in maybe just leaving high school and starting your career, when some of the lessons, you were years out of John Reinhardt's class, but some of those values, some of those lessons carried through. Can you think back to a time maybe in your early 20s when you were making a decision and you could see that there was some force, there was some guidance from what you learned through the challenging yet incredibly supportive class environment you had with Mr. Reinhardt? I love your question. The answer is yes. In university, and I'm thinking I'm going to become a doctor of physiology because Southern Illinois University's president, Delight Morris, had such 
ability to hire everybody that would in remember this is 1968 69 70 they were getting fired at harvard wharton yale stanford cambridge for being 65 today we call that ageism and it's not allowed any more than sex racism and there is but the fact of the matter is everybody was getting unloaded and dr morris was smart enough to hire all of them i had the head of physiology who was running nasa program of how the human body works i was so wowed with him i decided to become a physiologist the guy's name is dr alfred richard he was just a genius. And one day I'm in privately with him because I'm going into grad school. And he said, you got to go hear the smartest man in the world. And I said, Al, that's you. And he said, no, no, no. I, my colleague at NASA is Bucky Fuller. And uh, he's Einstein's best student. And we go hear Bucky. And I'm sitting in the front row of 5,000 people next to Dr. Richardson. Bucky, I'm sophomoric. I was sure, man. I was a grad student. I was smart. Anyhow, Bucky comes on and said, we're going to talk about cosmogony, cosmology, epistemology, synergetic, energetic, math. And he went through 10 things. I never heard one of them. And I immediately said, holy cow, there is wisdom in this genius at 71. And I was about 21 or something. I immediately went to his office, begged to work, basically traveled and worked with him for the next seven years as a research assistant. Amazing. What a connection. Just because of your curiosity and you asked to be participating in that. Now, asking is a central theme and coincidentally, the title of your book. What is the power of asking as you've experienced it in your life? And as you've been able to distill it down in these pages. If I could teach everybody just one thing, it would learn, I would share with them, become a master asker. And what my wife, Crystal, and I discovered, we've traveled to 80 countries, talked to 7 million people. And what we discovered is they're great people, wonderful people, trained people, good attitude, professional people. But the difference people who succeed a little and fulfill their destiny is one thing only. They learn how to ask in a masterful way and they get to fulfill their dreams, their destiny, their life, their opportunities. And now with the lockdown worldwide for 8 billion people, everyone individually needs to ask, transform their lives and fulfill their destiny. In our book, you know, I've been doing podcasts literally around the world. I was just on one in Israel right before this one, one in Australia before that or after that. And it just, it's astounding to me that the world, for the first time, we can sell books to the whole world, literally. And almost everybody's buying them on Amazon, which includes us. And it's it's exciting because the world is, for those of us in the book and the information business, better than it has ever been before. And I've been in it actively for 44 years and made millions. Mark, how do you recognize or identify the traits of someone who is a masterful asker? Well, first of all, we're teaching that you got to ask yourself, ask others, and then ask God. And I'll just give one good example. A guy who is in NSA is Jim Stovall. I don't know if you know Stovall's work or not, but he at 19, he was going to be a superstar NFL player, gets recruited. His day is made. He goes to the medical and the doctor comes back shaking his head and said, kid, the worst news I've ever given everybody, you're going to be totally, absolutely permanently blind in six months. Well, now Jim's blind and locked in a nine by 12 room with a television, telephone and a radio and complaining. Like I say, shut off negative news. And his parents said, look, quit complaining. Go down to the blind meeting. Well, they're in an echo chamber of negativity. And he said, I already got this story down. But he sits fortuitously next to a woman named Kathy, who um, you know is a blind stenographer. And he said, I used to love to watch media and see somebody throw a right hook. Somebody ought to narrate that. She bumps him in the ribs and said, wait a second, Jim. Here's the question to leverage every one of us. You and I are someone. We could figure this out. And what I say is an entrepreneur takes a problem, fixes it for a vast profit. Well, that's what they did. They created 
narrative TV by asking, keep asking questions and built it. And now 14 million people a day around the world watch narrative TV at $10 each. Well, that's one of the biggest streaming services ever. And then in NSA, we had a great guy named Charlie Terenis Jones. He wrote me a letter when I was selling 15 million books a year and said, look, I know you're busy, but this is the best book you're ever going to read. I need you to write the forward to it. And I know you don't know this guy, but Jim Stovall wrote this book, The Ultimate Gift. I read it when I had no time at all. And I was so wowed. I wrote that this is one of the greatest books ever. It is so clearly written and so important and so passionately purposeful. It's got to be a movie. Well, then we interviewed Jim for our book, Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, because we interviewed 26 superstars. And he is the most wise man ever. And he said, look, because you told me to make it a movie, we made a hundred million on the movie. And he said, I'll thank you every day of my prayers. And now I write books that I can't read and I make movies that I can't watch. I tell that story for a couple of reasons. Number one, all of us have some problem that needs fixing that we can make a vast profit for. And number two is that no matter how problematic your thing is, if you can listen to this podcast, you can go out and do something great. And Jim had lots of adversity and he has overcome all of it. He's just a, a classically superstar, chicken soup for the soul type story. In your book, you talk about some of the impediments to asking. And I know that people are thinking, well, if only I felt worthy of it. If only I didn't doubt myself so much, I could probably ask for things like that. How do you make that switch, that mindset switch? Because we know that it's not something that's inherent. There's things that some people see an obstacle and they see a desire and they know that they just need to ask and keep adapting their plan until they ask the right people, the right questions, the right way at the right time, and they start to make progress in their desired direction. What is it that you've observed about people who don't feel worthy of it, where they doubt themselves to the point where they stop the behavior that will let them reach their goals? And so what's true is that we have in the book, the Ask book, seven roadblocks to asking. It starts with that one, unworthiness, and then it goes to fear, and then it goes to doubt, and then it goes to excusology, and then it goes all the way to number seven, disconnectedness. And every one of us has one or more of those operating in our life almost always. And so what we've discovered now, because the book only came out on April 28th, and, what, and it's rocking. It's one of the four best-selling books right now because we're working so hard to sell it in a new zone called podcasting and funnels and all kinds of cool stuff that we're doing, bypass marketing. But what the people are writing us, like yesterday, we got 121 letters from people that said, gosh, my life's transformed because we're asking people to buddy up. Two people read through every question in a book. and You'll know more about your spouse, more about your business partner, more about your staff, more about your employees, more about your vendors, more about your future if you do that. And then the subset of that is we were on a big show with uh, Scott Carson. You probably know his podcast. Scott said, look, everybody, everyone knows somebody that's depressed, despondent, disconsolate, or probably suicidal. Buy 10 of Mark and Crystal's book, Ask, and give them away and see if that doesn't come back to you in a positive way. Because when people start asking themselves, you know the Socratic method. Socrates said, you should be ashamed to die until you've done good self-examination. Well, self-examination means you go through these seven roadblocks and you say, how am I going to go over, under, around, or through all of them? Because all of us have doubts. All of us have insecurity. All of us have excusology. And I can go deep on any one of those. Well, let's pick one that has to do with a business owner that was facing a challenge in a business that he or she needed to ask in order to get help for. Maybe it was a cash flow problem. Maybe it was a supply chain problem, as many people are experiencing today with the lockdown. 
Maybe it was something with finding staff, the right next executives that would really bring their business to the next level. What's an example from your experience that you could share with us now? Well, it turns out currently I'm working with a multi-billion dollar company to do exactly what you just asked. They have been a B2B company in the food industry forever. I can't, I'm not allowed to use their name, but the fact of the matter is they're doing billions and billions. And they are phenomenal. They're not even good. They're phenomenal. They do it organically. They do it for hormones. They do everything right, except that they've done what they've always done. And they got all these vendors out there, 258 different white labels. And the problem is that because of COVID, hotels aren't buying, supply chains aren't buying, little vendors aren't buying, sports arenas aren't buying. And so half their business has been crushed. So they came to me and they said, hey, look, you've written 309 bestsellers. You are good at business. What can we do that we're not doing? And I said, look, we've got to switch your model from B to B to B to C because B to C is taking your lunch and it's going to be more. Amazon is not going into your business. They are now delivering food lickety split from a company that's supposed to, you know, Whole Foods. They bought it, I think, $12 billion. And I said, I can show you a way to do that bigger, better, stronger, faster than anything. And, and so far, we've come up with three new product lines for them, and they are happy as they could be. But all of us got to understand, we've hit a new time and space where we're having the greatest dislocation of wealth in human history. And you can't, you know, Einstein said, and he was my teacher, teacher, but Albert Einstein said, definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing and, and expecting a new result. So what you got to do is choose to expand, choose to grow, choose to do something new, choose to be a disruptor in your industry, whatever it is, and think anew and reboot, reinvigorate yourself, go in a new direction. And by creating a new mindset, by asking yourself at the depth of your soul, what is that? And, and if I may go one step further, everyone, every business person needs to do this and do a mind control thing and say, you know, 400 times before you go to sleep, God, what is it that I can do in my business that I haven't done that'll make me a fortune now? God, what is it I can do in my business now that'll make me a fortune I'm not doing now? And you repeat that right before you go to sleep and tell your spouse or your sweetheart, honey, I'm going to wake up probably at two in the morning if I believe what Mark says and we'll have an answer. But I am told, he said, you got to write it down immediately. You can't wait. You can't think about it. Can't hope I'll remember in the morning because you won't. And when Jack and I did that, we said mega best-selling title 400 times in our respective homes, him in Santa Barbara, me in Newport Beach. And he calls me at 2.58 in the morning, wakes up the whole house. This is before cell phones, before it unplug a phone if you want it. Our phones only rang because they're private if you know, there's an emergency. And you know, you go, oh, my God, what if one of the kids got hurt or the grandkids? Anyhow, the point is, Jack says, chicken soup. I said, for the soul. We knew we had it. And still 144 people said, hit the road, Jack. <laughs> what you're saying is, is that one of the barriers to asking is isolation. We're not reaching out and connecting with others. We're not reaching out to the unconscious parts of our minds that have already realized what these changes are or what these new opportunities are that we're not pursuing. And by asking different questions and being open to the results, by changing our behavior and adopting a mindset of a positive expectancy, we can have a different experience based upon those desires. Correct. There's hidden riches in your mind. The other important part here is before you go to sleep, the, the most time, your subconscious never sleeps. Your attachment with spirit never sleeps. Therefore, if you program it to give you the answer of where is my business today, 
and tomorrow. Like when I was bankrupt and upside down, I was starting the speaking business. You'll find this fascinating. I read the book, The Magic of Believing. I saw this thing for the first time. And, and back then, remember this 50 years ago, you make 100 grand a year, you were rich. But that's $250 a day, $250 a day times four, 250 days a year, giving all holidays off times $400 a day is $100,000. Well, so I went to bed going, I'm going to make 400, I'm going to earn 400, 400, 400, 400, I'm going to earn 400, 400. And it, again, in the middle of the night, 258 or so, I woke up and I had the name Bill Widener, never heard the name, State Mutual, I was selling to life insurance companies. Next day, I wrote it down. I got up. I did faithfully what I knew the principle was. The next day, I'm out co-calling insurance companies because I was I did a thousand talks a year the first three three years of business, early as six in the morning, as late as nine thirty or ten at night, and then sold in between. But I walk into this building, and, and insurance buildings, you know, have more than one. They have met on one floor, Guardian, and then State Farm, and then. But I walk in this building, and the front marquee said Bill Widener State Mutual. Well, it's a lunchtime. There's nobody at the front desk. I go back to the general manager's office. He's sitting there smiling, thinking I'm coming to try to get a sales job. We start talking. I tell him I'm selling these seminars. I'm a professional sales speaker. I was a beginner. And, uh, you know, the investment is $400. Do you want to cut the check or have your secretary cut it? He said, I wrote the check. And he said, I was so happy because you're so happy and enthusiastic. And I said, and I told him later the story that, you know, God and me told me to write down his name. And I had no idea. I, I was selling people at Metropolitan and Prudential, but I didn't even ever hear him or his company. So that's what I mean. Your infinite intelligence, the lifeline to God, right? I believe God's a mainframe computer and you and I are mini frames off the mainframe made in the image and likeness. And I hope that doesn't offend anyone, but that's what I believe. And, you know, if you think about it, it seems pretty true to me, totally true to me. So that's what works. Does that make sense? Yes. There's so many pieces that pull together from that story. It's amazing. Mark, one of the things that asking does is it opens you up to new possibilities and new areas. And in your book, you talk about Peter Gruber's story, where he asked questions not about current problems he was facing in his business, but problems in the world, problems that needed to be solved that others weren't addressing or who hadn't made a sufficient commitment to. Can you talk about his experience with asking and what you learned through the interview with him? Well, Peter Guber has become one of my best friends, I'll tell you. Uh, you all know him because he's made 50 Academy Award movies like Rocky and Bat, Lawrence of Olivia, and on and on and on, Rain Man. Then we're sitting with him one time at dinner, and I said, what would you do lately, Peter? Crystal I and his wife, Tara. And he said, oh, today I bought a little sports team. I said, really? I said, what's that, Golden State Warriors? This is like five or six years ago. I said, whoa. Right, I came out of poverty, and he did too, so I had no idea that somebody could do this. I said, what did you pay for it? He said, $170 million. Well, today, when, if it were working, last time I saw it, it was worth about $3.8 billion. point is, Peter Guber started Enterprise as a little kid shoveling snow, and then he couldn't shovel all the people that wanted their walk shoveled out old New York at the time. So he's upstate, and um, he got other kids to do it. So he started Enterprise Value. Well, he goes to university on a scholarship because he's uber bright, super bright. And um, he's at school and, and all these kids have cars and they get to go out on dates and they had enough money to take a girl to a show. He had none of that. He had shoes that had holes in the soles. He said, I got to change this, find out what the kids wanted. And what they wanted is to have clean clothes or dry cleaning and not have to take it in themselves. So he start, he goes to a dry cleaner and goes to a laundry and gets them to do it and get it at 50 off. And he takes 20 and they got 30. 
and it was great profitable. And then he got 17 kids working for him. And he said, hey, look, how'd you like to make $100 a week? Well, $100 a week, was, they all thought that was great. So he ended up making such a fortune going through school as a college kid by running it, by managing it, by thinking it through, thinking grow rich is what Napoleon Hill wrote. And that's what Peter exemplifies, that by the time he's graduating as an undergraduate, he has so much money, he's marrying Tara. They've been married for like 59 years or something. He's 80 years old, looks 40. He exercised twice every day. And that's a mind blower. And I can tell you that story if you want. But he had enough money to go all the way around the world for a year with her after graduation before he went back and went to law school. Is that a cool story? Is that And all by asking himself, what do people need? What do people want? What can I get pay other people to do what it is they would gladly do and I don't want to do? Like he didn't want to pick up all the dirty clothes or carrying them into the laundry or the dry cleaner. And everybody won and nobody lost and everybody was a happy camper. He ended up you know, taking her to shows and buying a car and having a really good life and lifestyle going through college as a poor kid on a scholarship, financially poor not intellectually or spiritually or emotionally. Well, I think Tara can really spot talent. <laughs> oh, wow. She is our great friend. And we've I'll tell you that she can do that. And she is amazing. I mean, both of them are amazing. I mean, you know, usually great men or women are married to great men or women. I am certainly married to most extraordinary wise woman who I wrote this book with in the world. The other thing, Mark, is that Peter did things that really didn't require any special talent or skills, or tools, or capital. He started that business by asking a question and then following it to its logical conclusion. And he tested with market data. And then he hired people who were delighted to do the work because they were making a profit, doing work that was more suited to them. And he was kind of masterminding and strategizing what needed to happen with the business. And that's something I think everyone listening can learn from because all of us have work that's available and opportunities that really don't require the barriers that we may be putting in front of them based upon our own limiting beliefs. Exactly. And that's what Peter has done his whole life. He said, look, I am, he's one of the guys that gave us the term master asker. And then he and I did a video. You can go online and look at a type in Mark McTrance and Peter Goober. He did videos with a lot of famous people, but he starts the interview saying, my friend Mark is the most dyslexic person in the world. He thinks when people tell him no, it means on. <laughs> Mark, what do you mean when you say you're not a human being, you are a human becoming? That's because we're all here to evolve. And, and what happens is our corporate symbol, like if you read my book, One Minute Millionaire, I've got a, a butterfly on the cover. And here's where you cannot look at a caterpillar and predict crystallis or the cocoon or that you're going to be a high-flying, beautiful butterfly. Make sure you get a Zoom license that'll accommodate thousands. <laughs> Actually, there's a whole new... Mark, are you ready for the My Quest for the Best Lightning Round? Yes. At the beginning of the interview, I asked you about a person who inspired you growing up, and you talked about... Now, I'm going to ask you, what was the song you found inspiring when you were a teenager? What a great question. Well, the truth is, I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles so inspired me. They're on Ed Sullivan's show, 1962. I called up my best buddy, Gary Youngberg, another little Scandahoovian guy, and I said, we're starting a rock group. He said, what do you play? Nothing. What do you play? Nothing. I said, then we qualify. Look at Ringo. Ringo's the greatest percussion. Two weeks time, we learned 50 songs. We had a little rock group called The Messengers, which my wife said is prophetic of what we're doing. And we were working six or seven nights a week. Mark, your mission is to help people become master askers so that each of us can live the most fulfilling life we are capable of. Ringo. What is the most effective way that you've found recently to get the word out about your mission each and every week? I've watched podcasts, listened to podcasts, Steve Forbes, everybody, and, and 
Seth Godin, and there's so many, Grant Cardone, there's so many brilliant podcasts, and that inspired me to do podcasts. And then we started asking everyone to get me to different podcasts like yours, and that, that worked. All of us walk around, as you mentioned earlier, with these barriers to asking. For you personally, what was one of the barriers you had to overcome to become even a more effective asker, such as you are today? When I was bankrupt in 1974 and I lost everything in one day because I was building geodesic domes, I built the Wall Street Racket Club, Botanical Gardens, Aviaries, and Homes Out of Plastic, PVC, Polyvinyl Chloride. And all of a sudden, the Arabs said, we can write checks to grand banks of bounds. And I crashed, burned $50 million in one day. And I, I thought my self-worth and net worth were the same. So I sort of hid out for basically six months. But then all of a sudden, I said, back to that question about ask yourself 400 times. So what is it my right life? What am I going to do? What is, what is it you want me to do? And I said, I want to talk to people that care about things that matter, make a life-changing difference. I went down to my roommates. I was living in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. And I asked my three roommates, do you know anyone that's not a lawyer, not a doctor, not a famous person, not a celebrity, not a politician that, that is young, that is speaking and making money? And they said, oh, the guy's speaking. He's a little older than you, but maybe 10 years. And Chip Collins, he's speaking to 500 people out in Hopog, Long Island, New York. Here's my ticket. I'm in real estate. Go see him. He wowed the group, 500 people, for three hours, at the end of which I walk up and I asked him, I said, can I take you to lunch? I want to learn how to do what you do. And Chip said, look, kid, uh, chance of you making it is one in a thousand. I'll let you buy me a lunch, but you're not going to make it. And I'll only tell you if you stay out of real estate, because I control the five boroughs here in real estate, sort of a mafioso type thing. He wasn't, but that sort of that kind of attitude. I'll teach you how to do it in life insurance. And sure enough, he said, call 10 people and you get one. And like I said, only Tony Robbins and I, I think, did a thousand talks a year the first three years in the business because I only booked, I did little talks and then ran and sold other talks and got directories to each company and went as fast as I could through it and had a, I, they're geographically based. So I could do four talks in any one of the boroughs, whether it was NASA or Suffolk or Manhattan. You know, I just was racing full time and, then all of a sudden, people said, yeah, that story in a book. And the first, I was making about 70 grand. And then all of a sudden, the first book I did was Stand Up, Speak Out, Win. And I sold 20,000 copies from the platform at $10. I tripled my income. I had $200,000. And I told people, honestly, I said, this isn't a national bestseller, not a New York Times bestseller, not an international bestseller, but it's my bestseller. And it'd be my great honor and privilege and privilege to sign it, not only to you, but to your wife and kids. Because I want to get five or six readers out of one book. And everybody stood in line. Like the first day I sold, I sold 37 books at $10 each, $370. I was so blown away that night, I couldn't go home. I went home and I couldn't sleep. And I had 10,000 of these books I had to pre-buy. At that time, Kingsport Press, you had to buy 10,000. I don't usually tell that part. But my garage was full of books. Or the garage at the house. We couldn't even park the car in the garage at that little house in Hicksville. But it was great fun. I sold all the books. And I was overjoyed, and I never stopped writing. And now I've written 309 books, sold a half billion, and my goal is to sell a billion. Mark, I want to make sure that we have time to cover one more topic, and that is the power company, the national power concepts. That's something that you invested in years ago. And what were the questions you were asking yourself when you came across this opportunity? And now, what kind of reception are they getting these days? Back when I was in graduate school, Bucky Fuller made us write a 100 year goal, which I think you got to ask yourself, what do I want to do in 100 years? And I, I wanted to have green, clean, sustainable energy that would last forever and, and not burn up the 100 million year old petrochemical base because we can't repel it. So, you know, burning it up is probably not a really smart idea. So 
I'd written a book, Chicken Soup or the Ocean Lover Sewer with Wyland. I'm down in the Keys. And he said, look, my top artist is this guy, John Petrie, who's a Leonardo da Vinci of our time, top surrealist artist in the world and a fine artist. If you've never looked at Petrie, P-I-T-R-E, artwork, it blow your mind. But I go back in the back room before we just talk about 2,000 people down in the Keys at Wyland's Gallery. And, and uh, Petrie says, can I show you? I understand you were with Bucky and you want to make 100% of the world work for economically, physically for humanity. That's the question you're asking. I said, yep. He said, well, let me show you. I've got a 250 inventions that'll change the world at naturalpowerconcepts.com. He's Hawaii-based. I looked at it and I said, holy cow, I just sold our company for $63 million. I would, I will invest in this. And, and uh, I did, you know, it was my money, so I could do what I want with it. And it, most people tell you I was stupid to do a startup company and be the seminal investor and keep investing in it. But he has the best inventions ever. And it's taken us 12 years. And a lot of people say, well, your capital is frozen. You're never going to get it back. Why don't you bankrupt it and take a tax loss? I said, that's not the way I work. I stay insistent, consistent, persistent. And I think persistence is one of the 13 laws that my friend Napoleon Hill, Dr. Hill, taught. Anyhow, so we finally just got the biggest order ever in the state of Michigan at, at uh, Hybrid Solar which is the biggest solar fields in Michigan, and they want to have wind to complement the solar. So you have green, clean energy 24 hours a day. And our it's called a wind charger. If you look at the videos, you'll be blown away. I promise you go to naturalpowerconcepts.com and you'll love it. But our pop-up windmills go 360 degrees. They're portable. They're transportable. They're inexpensive. They have the highest amount of kilowatts, which the highest amount of energy. You got to have energy to have water, to have food, to have fundamental abundance. You got really cheap energy. Can make the world work for eight billion people. Only four billion of us are in the equation of having clean water, food, abundance, education, all that. And I want to get us to a hundred percent. And I'd like to do it in this decade. And now suddenly, this client ordered those at four hundred thousand each at seven hundred twenty million. Now, if the order gets financed, which is you know problematic because you're dealing with such gigantic numbers, but if it does, our company is is explosively going to growing, and we're going to get energy to the twenty thousand islands around the world. And we just, I really want to make a difference that is lasting and tactful and bigger than me. And everybody here is here for two reasons, to create Genesis 128. And then the second part of that is you're supposed to contribute. And it does not say go thou and retire because everyone says, well, you're 72, you're rich, why don't you retire? Golf if you need to and deep sea fish, which I love, but that's not, that's a pastime. That's not a vocation. You're supposed to do something that really makes a difference each and every one of us. And that's why I wrote a book with Art Linkletter, How to Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life, that you maximize yourself, you take advantage of the opportunities, then you optimize your health, your future, your love, your relationships, and have the most destiny-filled life ever by asking. Well, Mark, you have shared so many great ideas with us today on my quest for the best. I want to thank you so much for talking about Mr. Reinhardt, your high school English teacher, about talking about your mission to help all of us become master askers so that we could fulfill our lives simply by learning to ask for what we need in the right way at the right time to the right people. Thank you so much for talking about the importance of buddying up, talking with our staff, our partners, our loved ones, our families in order to understand what they want and also to get out the ideas that we want and reminding us of the importance of the Socratic method and how important it is to ask before we go to bed the questions we most want answers to and to be ready to write them down and capture them. When you ask the question, what could I do that I'm not doing now that could make me a fortune? It's a question of contribution, 
and also focusing on the highest contributions you could make. You reminded us that we're all evolving when you said that we're not a human being, you are a human becoming. And reminding us of the importance and the value of turning every adversity into an advantage. Mark Victor Hansen, author of Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. I want to thank you so much again for joining me on my quest for the best. My pleasure, Bill. I want everyone to quest for their own phenomenal best. So I agree with you 100%. Thank you for doing such a brilliant summary. My pleasure. Mark, before we leave for now, you made a couple generous offers. Having people get your book and join the Ask the Book Club, isn't it? Askthebookclub.com. Yep. And every time somebody sends in a a copy of their review of this episode, we're going to pick 10 of them. And I'm going to send them out copies of your book just for sending in a review of this episode because I wanted to go out to as many people as possible. Bless your heart. Thank you. I've never heard that done before. So thank you. I'm beyond pleased. How's that? It's been a pleasure. And I just want to share with you my gratitude for your creating and your contributing to everyone listening today. My pleasure. I want you all to become masters of asking. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.